Welcome to this podcast from Jams. In this episode, we're discussing disputes in the construction industry, which are all too common. Unfortunately, so are misconceptions of how alternative dispute resolution can help resolve those conflicts. To help dispel some of the biggest myths about construction ADR, we have two Jams neutrals with us, both with extensive experience helping to resolve construction disputes. Patricia Thompson in Miami and Bruce Edwards in San Francisco. So thank you both for joining us. Before we recorded this episode, both of you provided us with several myths you've heard over the years about ADR. So let's go over them. Patricia, let's start with you. Number one, arbitration is a waste of money and it has become just as expensive and time consuming as litigation. You know, statistics disprove that belief. In fact, a five-year study recently found that federal lawsuits last a year longer than arbitrations decided during the same period, and that excludes appellate time. And in my experience, state court cases last even longer than federal court cases. And with a longer case, you spend more money. The more attorneys do, the more they cost. And that study found that the direct business losses accruing from those longer lawsuits resulted in more than $10 billion of cost to the companies involved concerning management involvement, having resources tied up, impacts on creditworthiness, investor concerns. So in fact, arbitrations should not and typically do not last longer, and they are not more expensive. But if a party's experience is different, then perhaps that is because arbitrations famously are about party choice. And if parties choose to make arbitration look like litigation, then it will, unless Parties have the choice to use strong managerial arbitrators who will enforce either AAA or JAMS rules that limit the amount of expensive discovery, motion practice, and evidentiary issues that can make arbitrations more expensive than they need to be. And parties also can take advantage of streamlined rules that can shorten arbitrations even more. So if parties find that their experience supports the myth that arbitration is as expensive as litigation, then perhaps they should think about what they can do differently. Mm, Yeah, good point. Well, let's move on uh, to the second myth that you've heard. Arbitrators just split the baby, and therefore they favor those who are in breach of contract. You know, once again, this is simply untrue, and studies prove it. The RAND Corporation, every few years, studies thousands of arbitration awards in commercial cases and compares the demands to the amounts of the awards. And every time they do this study, they find no evidence of significant award splitting. In fact, typically 37% of the awards are either outright denials of a claim or a small percentage of the claim. While an overwhelming number of cases, the arbitrators award clearly in favor of one side or another. So that 94% of the awards are outside the median range 
of 40 to 60%. But nevertheless, if your experience leads you to believe that there might be baby splitting involved, then take care as you choose arbitrators. You can talk to them, ask them what their feeling is. Do they only have to do justice or would they follow the law? Will they give you reasoned awards so that they have to exercise discipline in making their decisions? And use claim matrices in order to focus the arbitrator on each element of a multi-claim dispute. Then you will know exactly how the arbitrator arrived at their decision, and you will be able to understand that there was not baby splitting, but that it was a reasoned result. Let's move on to the third uh, myth that you've you've discussed uh, before. Uh, arbitration is risky because there is virtually no right to appeal an erroneous award. It is very easy for parties to ensure that they have a right of review of an arbitrator's award. They simply need to provide in their arbitration agreement that there will be an option for an appeal. JAMS and AAA and CPR all have rules that allow for the parties to agree either in their arbitration contract itself or after the arbitration has started that they will allow for a a panel to review the uh, award. This is really a good idea, by the way. Not only does it give you more confidence in the accuracy of an award, but it actually will result in a more thoughtful award by the underlying panel because it has been proven that whenever someone knows their decision-making is going to be reviewed, they will go about making that decision more carefully. And in fact, parties can save money by providing for an appeal because they could have one arbitrator decide the case. And then in the event that one of the parties is dissatisfied, have the benefit of a three-party, excuse me, a three-arbitrator panel review it. The JAMS rules allow arbitrators, when they're sitting on an appellate panel, to enter a final appellate award. There is no such thing as sending a case back to the arbitrator below for remand. So on an appeal, if it turns out that the arbitrator below mistakenly uh, prevented a party from offering evidence, then the panel can accept the evidence, hear it, and enter a revised award. So that if you add an appeal to an arbitration as an option, it it might not be taken. The parties don't need to appeal, but at least they will have the confidence that in the event of an error, they will be able to cure the error. And I think it will um, help parties be more confident that arbitration is a better way to resolve disputes. Well, speaking of arbitration appeals, they are the subject of another myth that you've heard. Arbitration appeals are a bad idea because they only delay resolution of the dispute and defeat the finality of arbitration awards. Well, as I said, arbitrators, when they're sitting on an appellate panel, can uh, are, are authorized under JAMS rules to enter a final appellate award. They don't have to send it back. And they also have a very quick process for these appeals. The uh, appellate deadlines are measured in days and weeks, not months. 
The parties also can structure the standard of review to whatever they agree to. They can also agree to a briefing policy. Maybe they want to add to the briefing surrebuttals and, and additional filings. The parties can agree to that. They can agree to a two-hour-long oral argument. Whatever they want to do, they are in control of the appeal, and they can get it done more quickly and less expensively. So consequently, appellate arbitration enhance, enhances the benefits of arbitration. It is not a waste of time and certainly not a waste of money. Mm, all good points. Bruce, let's talk about some of the myths that you've heard about mediating uh, construction disputes. The, f- the first myth uh, you, you've heard is uh, pre-litigation construction mediation is a waste of time. Why, why is that a myth? First of all, that statement, I think, belies industry efforts over the last 60 or 70 years to try and find creative ways to resolve construction disputes before one gets into litigation. If you go back to the 1940s and the Army Corps of Engineers' efforts to develop partnering uh, opportunities pre-job performance uh, to project neutrals being brought on board to dispute resolution boards attempting to resolve conflicts in real time before they can impact the critical path of projects. And now uh, the advent of mediation in the last uh, 20 or 30 years, we see an industry trend toward favoring pre-litigation mediation. And so I've taught mediation generally and construction mediation in particular in over 20 different countries. And the construction audience, I think, always benefits from the message, the sooner you can begin the mediation process, the better. Very few things benefit with delay. I mean, job documents are lost, key employees move on, companies move on to other projects, memories fade, positions harden. It's pretty clear that the sooner you can get these disputes to the table to try and unravel this long developing ball of string, the better. And uh, we'll know we've arrived when litigation becomes the alternative, uh, not mediation. Mm. So quick uh, action is needed. Uh, the second myth you've heard, Bruce, is, is this. All you need to do to prepare for a successful construction mediation is to share your pleadings with the mediator and get a good night's sleep. I'm not going to argue with the getting a good night's sleep part of that, but the the sharing uh, of pleadings, I think, misses the boat. And um, I've had the privilege of teaching over the years with a colleague who's a mediator and psychotherapist who long ago taught me that uh, if you help people understand the why behind something, then the how-to will follow. And the why behind it's important to share in advance of the mediation process itself is a recognition that it's a unique opportunity to try and convince decision makers uh, on the other side. And a well-crafted mediation brief, for example, will uh, present the opportunity for somebody who's a decision maker, who's maybe hearing things from a different perspective for the first time, to reflect in the quietude of their office well before they show up at mediation and are impacted by the emotions and other distractions in the moment, to consider the various arguments that you're putting out there. And after all, the whole purpose of the mediation process is to convince the other side that there is a different perspective one that's worthy of consideration. And ultimately, uh, that really begins with this mediation brief and these pre-mediation opportunities to share documents that appropriately thread the needle between forceful advocacy while demonstrating a willingness to collaborate. And that's certainly not something that uh, is involved in sharing a, a, a legal pleading. 
Mm, the pre-mediation brief is important. Okay. Number three, another myth. Construction disputes only involve money and there's no need to deal with emotions. Well, well it's true that money sometimes is this, the best measuring stick, you know, for many in terms of who wins and who loses. We can't for a moment overlook the important role emotions play in disputes. Sort of to understand how far afield this myth is, we really have to understand a bit more about neuroscience and how our brains work. And in the last 20 years, neuroscience has evolved tremendously with CAT scans and MRI imaging and other things that help us really understand the role emotions play in formatting our view of the environment around us, how we communicate with each other, even how we code memories. And so without getting too deep into that uh, process, uh, I think one needs to safely assume that emotions lie, uh, if at all, just beneath the surface of so many disputes. They're in intricately uh, uh, intertwined with uh, the dispute itself, and they need to be given a proper place in the conversation. They need to be seated at the table along with facts and law and other relevant considerations. So don't for a moment think that somehow construction disputes are antiseptic from an emotional standpoint. And just because no one was maimed or, or killed, you know, that, uh, that emotions don't play a role. Uh, they do, clearly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Moving on to number four, it helps in mediation to play your cards close to the vest. And joint meetings with experts or attorneys are never productive. Well, let me start with the last part first. I think the value of joint meetings between experts and attorneys is critical to the mediation process. It's really what defines it into a large measure, unlike litigation, where people rarely have the opportunity to sit down in some measured, productive way to discuss what brought them to that moment in time. Mediation affords that opportunity. And all too often, people, uh, for a variety of reasons, want to just glide past the opportunity for a joint meeting. And in the doing so, they really miss a uh, important opportunity. Again, as I said earlier, um, these moments properly managed afford you the opportunity to sit across the table, literally, from a decision maker on the other side and give them, perhaps for the first time, a sense of realism about what brought things to the table from your perspective and hopefully guide them to a mind shift that's going to be essential in creating the opportunity for not just continued dialogue, but ultimately a resolution that works for everybody's benefit. And as, as far as the first part, holding cards close to the vest, you know, I often ask people, really, what, what's the purpose of that? I mean, so think about it. So hopefully two or three years down the road, when this case finally sees the inside of a courtroom, you think in the context of sometimes what could be a six-week or six-month trial, you're going to play some email or, or other message up on the screen that hopefully is going to be the aha moment for a trier of fact. I mean, at what cost and at what risk? And isn't it much better to sort of seize the moment and help people make informed, intelligent decisions in mediation by really revealing the evidence that should persuade them? Mm. So put your cards on the table earlier rather than later. Um, number five, spending a day in mediation means you've given it your best shot. And if the dispute isn't resolved, arbitration or litigation is inevitable. I think with regard to the inevitability of arbitration and litigation, it's a key misnomer. Construction mediation is a process, one that involves tackling a dispute that's been long in the making, sometimes three, five, seven years in the making. And the notion that it can be a ball of string that's successfully unraveled in eight hours is really a misconception. I mean, we start by designing a process that involves sharing documents, 
allowing experts to investigate and ruminate on how to evaluate the problems, sometimes seeking uh, cost of repair. Um, but these are uh, disputes that involve numerous stakeholders. And so on the actual day of mediation, it's not uncommon to have owners, prime contractors, uh, subcontractors, and a litany of design professionals assembled to try and stake out their positions. And so the notion that what all of that can happen and you can move people from those pre-mediation positions toward resolution in, in one day misses the point it, that it's a process. And at the end of the day, it's all about patience and perseverance because we know patience and perseverance move mountains. We know they're essential in any mediation process involving construction disputes. So hopefully with that patience and perseverance, parties will be rewarded with a settlement agreement that everyone can live with while getting on with what they do best, which is designing and building the structures that enhance our lives. Mm. Patience and perseverance, a good message to end this podcast on. I want to thank both you, Bruce, and Patricia for a really fascinating conversation. It's been very insightful. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. It's our pleasure. You've been listening to a podcast from JAMS, the world's largest private alternative dispute resolution provider. Our guests have been Patricia Thompson and Bruce Edwards. For more information about JAMS, please visit www.jamsadr.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from JAMS. Thank you.